Welcome to Cloud and Clear, the podcast by SADA for innovative business leaders and technology enthusiasts, where we explore how Google Cloud is transforming the industry and what that means to you. Now, here's your host, Tony Safoyan. All right, Chris Lehman, welcome to Cloud and Clear. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. It's great to be here. Appreciate you being my guest. Absolutely. I like to dig in all the interesting parts of SADA, bring in our practice leads, talk about all the great and exciting things we're doing and also what we're seeing with customers. And I think it's great to have none other than the leader of our GCP engineering team. Well, thank you. And especially from your perspective, and I'd love you to, to kind of give a little bit of an intro of where you came from, what you've done, why you decided to come here, because I think, you know, that's really interesting. I've been in the engineering field for almost 20 years. Um, I'm self-taught. I started out um, right around the dot-com days, so uh, it was great timing to get involved in the industry. I remember when I was starting out that my answering machine got filled to capacity with recruiters, <laughs> for example. But yeah, I started in San Francisco at several s small companies, moved to Yahoo and uh, worked there on their uh, ad platforms for about five years. That was the time you were there. That was like a really cool time to be at Yahoo. Yeah, Yahoo was, was a lot of fun. Um, they had a great culture and, uh, you know, it was a fun place, but people worked really hard. I learned a lot. I learned a lot. And there. they were breaking new ground in engineering. They were breaking new ground. They were, um, you know, uh, developing very instrumental in, in the, the whole Hadoop ecosystem. So uh, there were uh, a lot of folks at Yahoo that, that were contributing and, uh, and very involved in that project that I think is perhaps one of the most high profile projects that Yahoo has been involved in. Um, so, yeah, that was a very interesting time. Uh, spent another five years at Symantec uh, Entertainment Partners leading their cloud platforms. They're the largest payroll provider in the entertainment industry. And then uh, moved here to SADA Systems. And you happen to be local here in L.A., which is great. That's that's right. It's a it's great to be here. It's a. Uh, a small pond, I think, in comparison to Silicon Valley. So you pretty much know everyone in the industry. Yeah, exactly. And we're in North Hollywood, so we're basically in entertainment. Yeah. Even yeah. though what we do is cloud. Exactly. You know, we sit right next to the Academy building. It's That's great. right. Yep. Um, so I think, you know, this role was super important for us to fill. And, and we looked for a long time because I think it takes a, a combination of sort of engineering, acumen, and experience, um, leadership, because uh, I think leading engineers is sort of an art and a science in itself, and it's very different than I think leading almost any other type of group um, as a leader. Um, and also the sort of orientation towards wanting to learn new things and break new ground, which is something we have to do all the time by virtue of not just being a Google Cloud partner, because that has its own aspect of being groundbreaking all the time, but GCP is sort of the tip of the spear. It's the tip of the tip of the spear. <laughs> so unless, you know, you had this orientation of a high degree of comfort with the unknown, um, you know, high tolerance for pain. 
Yeah, well, I think engineering is 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 like that in many respects. You have to have a high tolerance for ambiguity. Certainly, uh, you know, you put your your best minds at work on problems and try to come up with solutions that makes everyone happy. But um, you know, I think one one observation that I have coming to SADA Systems was certainly getting much more deeply involved in GCP. Um, I've had a background uh, working with the AWS cloud for some time. Uh, when I started using GCP, I noticed, you know, I think a lot of things stood out to me. Um, one of the things that attracted me was the background of innovation at Google and how, I mean, I, th I think it's really interesting how they have so many internal products that they used for their own, you know, global wide scale as far as their advertising systems and G Suite and everything else uh, and how they converted those into commercial products on GCP. Um, I mean, I could go down a long list. I, I personally find it really interesting. Borg, which uh, started out as um, a container uh, um, technology solution in 2003, uh, turned into products in GCP, App Engine, uh, obviously Kubernetes, the open source platform we all know for orchestrating containers, uh, Container Engine, which eventually became Kubernetes Engine in 2015. Uh, the foundations for all of those came from Borg. There's a famous MapReduce paper, uh, which led to Hadoop. You know, I was just talking about that earlier. Yahoo was, was very involved in that, in that effort. And that, of course, turned into the Dataproc product, that, uh, uh, which is the managed solution for Hadoop. Big Table was a very influential paper that then um, had a very large following in, in the community with HBase, which was all, also released on GCP as Big Table in 2015. BigQuery has foundations in uh, uh, innovations at Google. Um, Dremel, uh, as far as the front end engine and uh, Colossus, which actually came after Google File System as the foundation for, for that product, as well as cloud storage and Bigtable. Uh, TensorFlow, which a lot of folks know for how high profile it is in machine learning. Um, that, that was a, uh, an innovation at Google, which again was open sourced and then became released with or supported uh, with Cloud ML Engine and now AI Platform. Uh, I could just keep going. <laughs> it's pretty impressive at the no, end of the day. I, it's, this is something that we don't talk about that often, but you know, sometimes it comes up. And I think it's, it's absolutely true that it's not like Google went out 15 years ago with their ambitions of like, let's create these things so we can one day take them, take them to market, right? Those ideas came later in enterprise, but like they had to do these things. They had to do this for their own needs. That's exactly right. They they were one of the first big data pioneers, perhaps the poster child of a big data pioneer. Um, they were dealing with issues at global scale before before most companies, and so yeah, it, it's. I think it's really interesting. Certainly in in engineering, uh, I think engineers have a, a mindset of adopting practices internally before making them available for 
for customers and clients, this idea of dog fooding your own work and then, uh, you know, making it available is certainly common. And we can see that, you know, this is certainly something that Google has done very successfully with GCP. Yeah, I think relative to the other big cloud providers, I mean, none of them are running eight, nine applications serving billion you know, plus users a month, I think. And to your point about where Google came from, just to just for cloud or Google, just for Google search, for Google.com to work in the early days, these technologies, it was a necessity that they be invented. And uh, what's great, of course, in, in, in great you know, Google tradition is to actually write the white papers, open source these technologies to really drive the industry forward and create the standards um, in the marketplace. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think that's that's something that attracts engineers. It certainly attracted me to this opportunity here with SADA and, and to GCP was their whole mentality about openness, philosophically being open, embracing open source, um, and, uh, you know, uh, providing a lot of thought leadership. Uh, and, and I think steering uh, in a very open way uh, the, the, the conversation in the community about where technologies are going and then, you know, uh, living their words with, with GCP. Um, you know, they have comparable products to other vendors, uh, but where I think they really shine is how, you know, for example, they've embraced technologies like containerization and Kubernetes, which is now influencing so many products, uh, the entire strategy around hybrid cloud, something that I see, you know, in the trenches day to day with our customers, uh, Google is fully embracing with Anthos. Kubernetes is at the core of that vision. The idea of hybrid cloud, uh, of multi-cloud, um, you know, is, is quite compelling uh, to the extent that you know, customers can containerize their workloads. They can essentially run them anywhere. And, you know, Google has, you know, in all of its, uh, I think, um, developer-facing documentation and guidance and blogs, uh, there's a consistent pattern of embracing, embracing that notion and not, and not really leading the customer into any kind of lock-in with the yeah. platform. Now, you were telling me, uh, earlier as we were talking about this stuff is that it's almost like the bigger the customer, the more this, this is a concern, but just generally speaking in your engagements, you've been here now several months, um, kind of building, uh, and scaling this team with a lot of interaction with customers as, as every great leader does, by the way, just getting really deep with customers. Like you're seeing a pattern of why, GCP and why Google, and has a lot to do with this concept of no lock-in. Yeah, no lock-in is is huge. I, I well, price of course as well, uh, because uh, you know GCP tends to be uh, very price competitive with other clouds, and in fact superior in, in in many respects. So that's a compelling factor, as it always is. But is it like apples to apples? 
much cheaper, like storage versus storage or compute versus compute. Like it really is, is. It just that. Yeah. Well, that's certainly part of it. And so, you know, kind of a mechanical uh, analysis of, of apples to apples comparison, GCP is very favorable, but um, you know, I think even more important to a lot of our customers is this notion of avoidance of vendor lock-in. And, and that's why I like to, you know, go back to, you know, this topic of containers and Kubernetes because it, it really does influence uh, so much as far as the offerings. You know, if you want to deploy an application on App Engine, if it's, you know, it, it's extremely simple, uh, if, it's, it, if it's built on, on Docker, uh, and it's easy to move. Same thing with Kubernetes Engine. Um, Anthos is predicated on the concept of being able to run containerized applications both on-prem and uh, on GCP, being able to you know fluidly move workloads back and forth. Uh, that emphasis on um, you know openness and uh, flexibility is is just at the core of 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 so much of uh, their approach. Yeah, and and they've always been kind of in that camp, just contributing to op- the open source community actively. And, uh, and I think, by and large, open source has won. <laughs> right? Sure, in a lot of ways, I think they're on the right side of history for that. Um, they certainly are, and they've 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 adopted. They've also, I think it's worth noting, um, completely adopted open source projects that didn't actually start at Google either. So um, while their own internal innovations have, in many cases, influenced the open source community and then have even come back, there are instances where they fully embraced open source like Airflow, for example, and Cloud Composer, which didn't actually start out uh, as a Google pro- uh, project, but certainly they've embraced the the idea of you know good uh, open source projects that they can you know make available on GCP, uh, and and customers notice that because when they're able to build obviously on an open standard, then you know they're not compelled to you know stay with Google. For example, it's just based on it's just based on performance. I remember the early days of G Suite. There was, you know, others were starting, you know, their sort of SaaS offerings, whatever it was. Even in the G Suite days, people were afraid of locking. Like, oh my God, if I move my email to this platform and my documents to this platform, how can I get it out? Google developed and kind of launched like the APIs to get your data out even before they created the tools to get your data in. <laughs> so it's almost like this core philosophy they've had for a decade plus about like lock-in is bad and will always operate as a, with that mentality because in that environment, you know, customers win and the best products win over time because they don't stay with you because they can't get out, but they stay with you because of value. That's right. They compete on the merits and that's, that's really refreshing. You know, you've been doing a lot of hiring, restructuring the team, 
gotten a lot of great guidance from Thomas Curran on down around what we see kind of as the opportunities. Um, can we talk about the team dynamics? Like what kind of skill sets do you have on your team now? And maybe how has the guidance from, from TK on down guided, guided that approach now and moving forward? Uh, well, our team has a fairly broad uh, mix of expertise, everything from uh, infrastructure specialists with DevOps who are very good at moving workloads from cloud to cloud, uh, writing uh, infrastructure as code automation and Terraform as a technology stack that you can apply across multiple clouds to application developers who have expertise on the specific offerings within GCP. And so we can build uh, applications that take advantage uh, of Google's strengths to data analytics, data pipelines, data lakes, data warehouses. Um, and so having expertise uh, uh, in those areas is also important. Foundations are critical. So we've got several people on the team who specialize in networking, security, uh, you know, setting up your, uh, you know, foundations for a successful project with IAM uh, and permissions. Absolutely. Since we align so closely, you know, with Google, uh, you know, I've been working to structure the team in such a way that there's a fairly close one-to-one correspondence with what, what Google terms their priority pillars and priority workloads. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, those really come back to uh, modernizing your infrastructure and your apps, moving moving your workloads into the cloud in as seamless uh, and simple a way as possible. And that includes data, which is often overlooked, but one of the most um, complicated aspects of, of migration. Um, and, you know, breaking out our um, data analytics, our smart analytics uh, sub-practice uh, with, uh, you know, uh, emphasis on data lake, data warehousing, and machine learning. So those are the areas that we're investing in the most uh, for the remainder of this year. No, I think that makes perfect sense. It's, it's actually refreshing. And I've talk, talked about this before, but it's refreshing to actually get that kind of read on the market from, from Google, like TK on down. Now we can speak the same language with our counterparts at Google. Um, we can be on message with customers. And I think the things that we're choosing to do are both, you know, very, very specific that we know is a, is a constant sort of consistent cause of both pain at customers today and opportunity today to demonstrate transformation sort of one bite at a time. Um, and, and I think it also is our job to demonstrate that this journey to the cloud, to GCP, doesn't necessarily have to be complex or daunting out of the gate. Like there's ways to get in and demonstrate proof points, create a, a framework and a platform for a broader migration and investment over the long term. But it's not like, you know, I think a lot of customers and, and leaders and CIOs and CTOs and heads of engineering, they get stuck in this, like, how do we get started mode? Yeah, either that or, you know, they 
they sort of fall into the trap of boiling the ocean and thinking about how do they do everything at once. And that's certainly, I think, a very uh, clear takeaway from what I've seen being successful is to focus on something small, something specific, perhaps a proof of concept uh, for for the company, you know, to get their feet wet, become acclimated with GCP and, and get traction on a on a project on a smaller scale. And then once they build up some of that confidence, then layering on top of that. Again, we're still in this modality we're learning. I think the whole industry is learning. Kind of listening to our customers sometimes, not being prescriptive enough. Like we've had customers that totally wanted to boil the ocean. Oh, absolutely, and yes. it doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. We always work. look back and we're like, God, I wish we just picked one workload. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's a pretty, pretty consistent takeaway. Um, that helps to... To focus, you know, the the customer as well as the engineering team, because then you can obviously get a get at a outcome a lot faster. Think of the last two or three projects. What are customers commonly moving first? I've seen two models where customers either are trying to just move fast, and so it's a lift and shift sort of approach using tools like Velostrata. You can stream your VMs over essentially byte for byte straight into the cloud. But what? But what's on those VMs? What are they moving? What are they choosing to move first? I think the best way to describe it is, is more by environment rather than by workload. I, I've seen, um, you know, one of our biggest customers... Uh, moving all of their critical applications uh, broken down across environments. Um, and Internal applications, customer-facing applications? Customer-facing applications. Uh, when, they, when they take this, this VM migration approach, um, you know, it's, it's more about just lifting it and moving it. So uh, it's a little less important to be focused on, I think, distinct workloads. Uh, I've also seen the other approach where, you know, it's much more of a concept of immutable infrastructure and being able to design infrastructure as code, totally programmatic. So rather than, you know, um, just moving it as fast as possible and not trying to dynamically recreate your, your infrastructure, rather just get it there as fast as you can taking the opposite approach, being very thoughtful about, okay, let's build this exactly the way that we would want to long-term and just focus on something small. And that's the other approach uh, that, that we've seen and, in fact, has actually worked quite well. So, like, looking at this as an opportunity to re-architect? Looking refactor. at it as an opportunity to re-architect, to move to cloud-native uh, analogs to, you know, what they already have, uh, you know, uh, taking advantage of um, no ops or m- completely managed type offerings uh, and building an entire infrastructure's code pipeline so that, you know, basically with a single click, it can spin up your entire environment, including your workload, um, you know, which is incredibly useful for any number of reasons, including conducting experiments and then throwing away your environment when you're done. So customers that choose B, which is not just like lift and shift and a lot and quick, but, you know, taking this opportunity to re-architect, swap out, you know, infrastructure services and actual 
servers for platform services and their corollaries. I mean, isn't that, isn't B kind of the, the promise of moving to cloud as far as really embracing the opportunity to to experience cost savings in a significant way or like really transform the way applications are delivered, released, taken to market to serve their customers to their own, their own end customers, like our customers' customers? Yes. Uh, the short answer to your question is absolutely. Embracing a, a full, you know, I would say DevOps mentality around um, you know, small teams, uh, rapid feedback, uh, shortening release cycles as much as possible, uh, leveraging technology that makes that easy, such as uh, automation as much as possible, um, containers so that you've got a consistent experience across environments, regardless of which environment it's in. Um, you know, the teams that are embracing those kind of transformative changes are, you know, the ones that are certainly set up, you know, for success the most and can get the most out of moving to the cloud. But, you know, it depends on the customer. Sometimes, uh, you know, it's in their interest to move first and, and then improve what they have after the fact. And, you know, other teams, you know, want to make those changes in a, you know, their controlled environment that they're used to and then, uh, and then migrate after, um, after they've, they've made it ready. Yeah, I mean, lift and shift is, I mean, it's production, but it's almost like a staging environment for re-architecting later. It really is, yeah. It's yeah. more about speed than anything else. I think that's actually, you know, it's it's interesting that we're talking about this fundamental decision that you have to make, you know, either modernizing up front and then moving or moving right away and modernizing after the fact. This is one of the compelling uh, promises of Anthos is actually the, the capability of doing both at the same time with their Anthos migration capability, which will containerize uh, your applications as it migrates them to the cloud, which is quite intriguing. It's almost like science fiction. <laughs> well, containerize uh, as you migrate. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's it's pretty cool. Uh, no doubt about that. Yeah, that is the decision that IT organizations are making all the time, and you know, we help them make those decisions. I think. I mean, there's a process, a valuation process, and a methodology. Of course, yeah, we're very involved in that. Uh, so our not only our solution architects, but um, you know our our sales organization very much is involved in you know working with our with our customers. We we have very technical folks across the spectrum who if a customer is is very savvy and you know understands what they want compared to those that you know are just getting started in the cloud, we certainly provide you know guidance across the spectrum. Yeah, and we're open to different approaches. I mean, we want to be as prescriptive as we can as far as risk reduction, increasing the probability of success. But we have to kind of layer that some level of flexibility. Providing guidance for customers that's very specific to their own unique circumstances, but then also based on our experience, 
operationalizing you know the our common activities so that we can provide package solutions for customers too so there's there's two ways of looking at the, the offerings that, that we give our clients what i'm excited about is you know having now a google cloud only focused organization um, where we have very well established businesses across all parts of google cloud but you know the gcp being the fastest growing our services, professional services, managed services becoming more and more of a, a, a strategically important part of the offering because, you know, these things don't migrate themselves. Customers don't want to do it alone, even if they can. And the amount of demand, I mean, we, a lot of our work has been with like software companies and SaaS you know, startups and other progressive companies. And we started to now do things that more traditional um, you know, corporations, corporate customers, enterprise customers. And there's just like an, an immense amount of work to do. Like if I just look five, 10 years ahead, there's so much work because they all have to do this. <laughs> it's daunting, but it's exciting at the same time. If, if you think you've seen a huge wave moving to the cloud, just wait for the next five to 10 years. It's going to surpass it on an order of magnitude there's no doubt about it it's it's, un, it's unbelievable but it's kind of what well, why we love what we do <laughs> i think is growth is always fun but it's like a constant challenge of firsts and never been done before and setting new standards and and i think that the team you know you've built so far is, is tremendous but I know it's growing fast and you're hiring, right? Like all the time. Oh yes, absolutely. We're, we're hiring across the team. Uh, you know, we're looking for data specialists, machine learning, data warehouse experts, analytics, as well as, you know, just core application development, uh, and DevOps capabilities. So we're, we're really hiring, you know, across the organization. And so we're going to hopefully, you know, introduce a mixed uh, approach of getting really experienced and seasoned people from the ecosystem to creating a bench of, I think, newer entry-level talent that we develop and grow over time. So I'm excited about working on that with you as well. Thank you. Yeah, that, that's definitely going to be exciting. I certainly subscribe to the two pizza team kind of model with a balance of senior mid-level folks. So I'm trying to achieve that kind of balance across all of our sub-practices. And I know you're working very closely with Dana and also Miles now. Mm-hmm. That's right. On that strategy. I think there is a data person. There. Data scientist. Yeah. Yes, that's right. That we just hired. We'll be yeah. joining later in July. So that, that's starting to happen now that we have a lay of the land and you're, you're aligned with, with sort of Miles and Dana about those needs. So it's, it's exciting and great for me to watch and, and have these conversations with customers and, and, and with Google and and uh, we'll do more of these. We'll talk about more customer stuff next time. Absolutely. That sounds great, Tony. Thank you so much for joining me, Chris. Of course. Thank you for listening to Cloud and Clear. Check the show notes for links to this week's topics and don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at Cloud and Clear and our website, sada.com. Be sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app.